Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. I would like you to look with me to 1 Corinthians 11, 1. In thinking about having a spiritual father, we read it back there a minute ago. I don't think I said a lot about it. He said, uh, follow me, First uh, Corinthians uh, 4 and verse um, 16. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And I think that when you first read that, if you're thinking, you're thinking, hmm, he didn't say follow Jesus, but he said follow me. And some people take issue with that. But let's look at this verse with it in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, and then I have a comment to make that I think will make it easier to understand. He says, Be ye followers of me, Paul says, be a follower of Paul, even as I also am of Christ. So he's telling you, here's the guideline, follow me as I follow him. I tell people in our church, if, if I don't ask you to do something unethical, immoral, or illegal, you shouldn't have a problem being obedient. I mean, you know, uh, but also I say, you know, look, check me out what I'm teaching. Follow me in your Bible and get other translations if you like and meditate on these things and see if what I'm telling you is not accurate. Uh, I found this out uh, in a practical illustration one time. We were in California, Pastor and I, Pastor Diane and I, and there were some other people, uh, uh, Miss Crystal Marks from, she used to go here and now goes to Pastor Keith's church. She was with us, and her maybe her son and her daughter were with us. And Pastor Dennis and Angie and their girls were with us. And we were all traveling by vehicle up to Pastor Simon's church in Merced from being down with Doctor, which is in Murrieta. That's about a five-hour drive, if I remember right. And we were coming up a big hill, and we were all, you know, following each other. And I wasn't in the first car. I was back three or four cars. Somebody got on their cell phone, called me, and said, Oh, Pastor, do you see it? And I said, Do I see what? And he said, well, we're right here at the crest of the mountain, and it just looks like golden grain over to the right, and the sun's setting, and this big field of whatever it was, it was just shimmering. It just looked like a, like a picture. And I said, well, I'm not up to the top of the hill yet. I can't see what you're seeing. And, and of course, we're still dri- somebody's driving, me or somebody, and just a few seconds later, we hit the crest of that, and we looked to the left, and it was just exactly what they described. And the Lord spoke to me right then and said, this is the way it is with spiritual things. Whoever's in the lead car is going to see everything first. And sometimes they describe it to us and we can't see it because we're not where they're at yet. So sometimes we're saying things that are right as the leaders, but the other, the followers, are not able to see that or perceive that until they come a little further with us. And then they, well, that's what he said that. He said that. Yeah, I see it now. It's exactly what he said. And that's why I bring this out. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So sometimes when you're in the lead vehicle, I'm just using that as an analogy. Uh, You see things first. You understand things better at first because you're the leader and you're trying to instruct people in things. And sometimes people get... uh, you know, argumentative with you. Can you believe it? Trish Christians and unreasonable with you and things like that. I could tell a lot of stories right now. I'm thinking of things. And every one of them ended badly for the people that did it. I mean, I had a couple come. They had some young kids. 
uh, kind of independent people, you know, thinking. And I could just tell the way they acted. Not the wife so much, the husband. And we decided we would have uh, our youth director back then and his wife. They was a married couple and they were older. They were going to teach on uh, things concerning sexual activity to the youth, if I remember right. And uh, he found out about it and it was like a Sunday night or something. And he stomped up here after the service said, I want to talk to you like that. Like he's ready to throw down on me. <laughs> and he got in a big conversation with me. And uh, I had to finally just say, listen, you're out of control. Simmer down. And then, I just, I, then he just kept on and I just put it back on him. I said, what do you think I am? Some kind of pervert? What do you think I'm going to do up there? Show him bad movies? What's wrong with your head, sir? He's a 40-year-old man challenging his pastor. And I said, furthermore, you're the one that promoted your own daughter because she's homeschooled and insisted that she, I promote her with the rest of the group because you said she was big enough to take it. And if you don't want to do that, sit here with her in my class down here then. But whatever you're doing, stop this out-of-control attitude right now. <laughs> he stomped out, left the church. Can you believe it? Left the church. Didn't know anything that was being said up there. Didn't know anything that was being done. Got all out of sorts with me over his own daughter that he tried to promote who wasn't. He, I didn't think she was old enough to be up there. He promoted her. Oh, she's homeschooled. She's more a grade 6 than a grade 4 whatever he told me. And we let him pick his girl up there, and now he's mad at me, and he won't listen to any common sense that I'm trying to give to him. <laughs> I said, what kind of deal do you think I'm operating here? This guy works for me full-time, Michael Moe. He and his wife, they're very, very legitimate, mature yes, people, sir. and they're not going to say or teach your kid anything weird or strange. What's the matter with you? Your kid probably knows more about it than you do right now. <laughs> Sex. And his wife happened to go to a hairdresser that we know, and she told them, said, I'm so sorry, my husband acted like a B-U-T-T. Because we went to several churches now, we can't get fitted, we can't get taught. Yeah, she was, I'm sure they had some marital problems after that. Because he just, you know, full of himself, full of pride, going to tell the pastor what he thinks. He could have told me what he thought without being all irate. I would have received, if he had a legitimate question, ask me. But when you come stomping up here and you're ready to fight me, you know, that doesn't go good for me. That just doesn't sit well with me. And I tried to talk to him sensibly and said, listen, calm down. Because people in church were still hanging around talking and they were looking like, what is that guy doing? I think some of my guys were hanging around to see if I needed some assistance because he acted like he's ready to pop me, you know. He didn't draw back, but he was screaming practically. Anyway, we're just talking here. Follow me as I follow Christ. And even though I tried to convey to him uh, without getting real uptight, I said, well, you know, we're, we're teaching your children things they need to know about this subject. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to teach them things that are inappropriate. What are you thinking here? But maybe he'd just been in churches before that just threw somebody in a room with somebody and said, here, talk about this. Or I don't know what he was thinking, but we don't operate that way and never have. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Now, maybe you think that I have this kind of confrontation every week. That's not true. But over the years, after almost 30 years in this church, we have had incidents like this that just get out of control sometimes because people don't listen well or they're assuming something 
that we didn't say and then they take it you know a different way than it should have been took so forth but again we see things sometimes that the parents didn't see we realize that our young people need to know in a biblical way what sex is all about from a biblical standpoint we're not running MTV here. I'm telling you, if you get on MTV, when you go home, you'll hear some stuff there. You would to God, dear pastor, had addressed publicly to teach people what real sex is all about and it's to be confined to a marriage covenant, not running around doing all that kind of wildness with people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, so, you know, I don't know why sometimes parents get like that. They're just little babies. Hallelujah. Let's go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at something else here that we get accused of. When we teach on this subject sometimes, people say, well, you're trying to dominate me. You're trying to make me comply. No, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to feed your faith. I'm trying to help you grow up, mature. And if it takes maybe dealing with issues that are not comfortable, we have to deal with that sometimes to get our flesh in order and renewing our mind to something that's right and common and stuff like that. Anybody listening? Look at this verse here, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Not for that we have dominion, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. So Paul must have been accused of that too occasionally, of people saying, well, you just want dominion over us. You know, I don't know what people are talking about. I don't have dominion over people. I have the right to teach them what's right. But like this says, that we're helpers of your joy for by faith you stand we're just simply trying to teach people how to stand by faith and how to operate in their dominion not have dominion over people now we do have guidelines here for what we do whether it's publicly or in the back or different things like that we have ushers I have ushers here on on the premises that roam around every service I didn't always have that about two or three years ago I don't remember the exact time the Lord said you need to give your guys those little deals you know, like the FBI uses or something, and put them around in your sanctuary, and you need to have one of them alternate, walk around the parking lot, walk through the back halls, make sure somebody's not back there that shouldn't be. And since we did that, the Lord told me to do that, then it, well, I wasn't scared, but I just knew God was up to something. We had two or three people come through the front doors of our church. One of our ushers picked, picked him up from the outside, saw he was out here somewhere or wherever, and called ahead and said, there's a guy coming in the front door. These ushers in the back jumped up. One went out that door. One went out that door. And they caught him before he got back to our children and said, what are you doing back here? You know, because the restrooms are there before you get to the children. And he said, well, I'm, I'm just looking. Well, listen, you're welcome to come in here, Dr. Jacobs, if you like. But if not, you're not allowed to roam through the halls just, just for fun. There's the restroom if you need it. And we're not bugging you about that. But you're headed back towards this area, and that's not appropriate and he went back right out and left the church so we've you know curtailed a lot of stuff sometimes they come back in the back by where I park we got a basketball goal out there people come we were having church said we can't play basketball somebody told us we could well that's not true you can come in and listen to Dr. Jacobs if you like you're not going to play basketball out here while we're having a service yeah, there's all kinds of stuff goes on you don't ever hear about but we just try to take care of it. And I tell them, now, don't, don't be getting, you know, I know some of those guys carry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I said, don't get in a big confrontation. Just call 911 or something. 
or the sheriff's department we're under county jurisdiction here and the sheriff can come or the uh, whatever you call him the assistant sheriff and take care of stuff you know of course i think a couple times it got pretty intense and they called for a couple of us i didn't even know this was going on how pleasant just to preach and know there's not insanity outside the building <laughs> somebody called a couple other ushers to come and just stand by him i think you know, to kind of show some presence. Like, you know, listen, we're asking you, you can come in or you need to leave. You're not going to just park here during the service. Because we had some cars broken into at one time. You know, it's been a couple of years now. But anyway, I'm just talking to you here. Amen. Praise the Lord. What was I talking about? <laughs> about dominion over your feet. We have guidelines. That was what my point was. But we're not trying to dominate other people. <laughs> what a silly notion. Praise the Lord. Now, Let's, let's go back to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to get to these sheets in a minute, but let me get a little more of this taught out, Acts chapter 2. I was reading this many years ago, at least 10 or 12. I lived in a different house then. I remember when the Lord showed it to me as I lived down where my daughter lives in that house now. And the Lord revealed some things to me. I'd never seen this before. You know, I went through the charismatic movement, you know, and we would read Acts 2, 17 and following a lot during that time because we were teaching about the pouring out of the Spirit upon all flesh and so forth. But I saw it in a different light about 12 years ago when I read this one day, uh, Acts 2.17, It'll come to pass in the last day, saith God, uh, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And I stopped and I realized... Well, this is telling me that this comes upon people that are connected. Your son, not God's sons, they would be, but if they're born again. But he says, your sons and your daughters, notice, and your young men and your old men. So in all case here, all the people that the Spirit of God was being poured out on uh, and so forth. And of course, the next verse says, and prophesy. But I say it this way. When you're properly connected to your spiritual father, then whatever ministry you have will begin to flourish. Not just prophecy, because they didn't really, at that point in time when that was recorded or written, uh, Paul had not elaborated on the gifts of the Spirit as we know them yet, in 1 Corinthians and Galatians and all those other passages. So I like to say it this way, when you're properly connected, whatever is in you or whatever's coming on you by the anointing, to, to minister when you're properly connected those things will begin to flow better because you are connected in other words there was no flowing of anything when you weren't connected because he says your sons your daughters your old men your young men everybody had a connection there with whoever was I call it pastoring a church or whatever you want to say there and then things flow better when you have that because you have an overseer and you have somebody you're connected to and I, I put in my notes you start moving in the supernatural in a different realm moving in the supernatural in a different realm hallelujah let's go over here to, to uh, uh, let's go over here to Matthew 8 a minute Matthew 8 I'm going the wrong way Matthew 8 <clears throat> Just got a couple more thoughts, and then I want to get into these uh, notes that I had passed out. We'll look at those, and those are for you to keep and take home. Uh, I think they'll be a blessing to you. 
I gave a bunch of material out a while back. It was some of this and some other, I think, wasn't it, Alvin? Do you remember on covenant, covenant relationships? There was a whole bunch of things like what this is. But Matthew 8 here, look at this with me quickly. Now, I know I'm talking about being submitted to somebody, not dominated by somebody, but have a relationship with somebody. That's my point. I like what, uh, this is not my statement. I think it was my old youth minister, Mike Moe, said, rules without relationship breed rebellion. So you can have all the rules you want, but if you don't have a relationship with those people, it'll breed rebellion in people. That's why Mike Moe was a great youth director at the time. He had a good relationship with all of our young people. He and his wife both. That's the thing I said I got two for one when I hired him, you know. She was really anointed. She was a great preacher. But he was a good teacher and minister too. And he, he spent a lot of time with our, our young people, like my son does now. Hallelujah. Matthew 8 here, we have the story of the centurion, I think, uh, and his uh, sick servant and so forth and how that Jesus came and healed him. And it says in verse 9, and I am a man, this uh, centurion, I'm a man under authority having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And what I got out of that when I was studying on spiritual fathers is uh, when things don't obey you, maybe you're not under authority. You know, if you think you have a good confession of faith and you say to something, do this or do that, come here, go there, and nothing's obeying you in your confession, I would, first place I'd go back and look, am I under authority or am I just being a renegade? You see what I'm saying? I'd say it this way, when you step out of being under authority to somebody, because he's a military guy, he understood that clearly. He, he's under authority. And he has soldiers under him that are lower rank, but they're under, and when he says do it, they just do it. Yeah, I'm a man under authority. And so what I said is when you come out from under your authority, you don't want to be under authority to anybody. Then you strip yourself of your own authority. Yeah. I remember one time I was in Mexico and I had a, a, a colonel, a retired military man that was my driver. He, he was a wonderful person and I, and I liked him a lot. And he was a good man and a tough guy kind of. And, uh, you know, and then I came back to the States, of course. I've just done mission work there a lot. And then he took a job for a senator or somebody down there, like in Mexico City, and they got in a gun battle and he got killed. And uh, defending this other person that was, he was his driver. And he got shot. They said he had 40 bullets in him. They, this gang, you know, trying to kill this senator just stopped him at an intersection, just surrounded his blast, you know. And he tried to defend the guy, and the guy got away. The senator got away, but the, the, the driver, the guy that I knew, got killed. And they gave him some kind of big military deal because he defended with his life. But that's the kind of person he was. That was just what he did. He was told to do that. He was the bodyguard for the senator and the driver. So that's what you do, see. All right. Praise the Lord. You listening to me? So you've got to understand this things, these things worked for this man. And Jesus said, I've never found so great faith. So Jesus thought a lot about him and his principles he lived by. But the, the issue was he was so committed because he was under somebody of higher rank than everything below him functioned correctly. I'm thinking about that. That's a big comment. 
You know, when we stay under authority correctly to the person we're submitted to, then things under us work better. Things under us work better. I remember when, when, when I came under doctor's covering, Dr. Dufresne, and I asked him, would he be my father? Uh, I didn't ask him that. I said, would you be my covering? I think's what I said to him. At the time, I didn't know the comment about fathers and sons that much. And he said, yeah, God already spoke to me about you. Well, there was a peace on me right then when he said that that came over me. But just everything in the church has changed since then to a better degree, more divine order, more authority, more, more uh, influence that we've had as a pastor and as a man of God and different things like that because we're under authority. And then you have to stay under authority. That's a key too, right there, what I'm talking. I mean, if you, if you can, but I think most people could. I think they just don't want to. Because, you know, even in, my, even in doctor's camp, I've seen pastors come, I've seen them go. And, and even the ones that went didn't have, in my opinion, justification for leaving, but they took an offense about something and let it grind on them. You know what I mean, let it grind on them? And I don't know all the reasons why people come and go. I just know, I, to my opinion, that's not very intelligent. And it's not very right. And I think what it produces in those people that do that is it, it shows up a weakness sometimes in themselves by thinking, I'm going to bail out of this relationship and I'm going to jump over here under a different man of God and see what that gets me. And then if that don't work in two or three years, they'll be under another person. I was in a meeting one time with Dr. Dufresne in the back room. I was eating dinner with him, and there was a lot of us back there, probably 40. I just happened to be sitting close to him, not right beside him, but within earshot and listening, trying to listen, see what he's saying, if he's saying anything. You know, I want to know. I want to listen. I don't want to be talking over top of him. And uh, there was a, a pastor came that from another country there, and, he, and all of a sudden he showed up down there where doctor was sitting, and, and doctor looked at him. He said, where you been? This was the last night of the meeting after the last meeting of the last night. He goes, well, I've I just been out here. Well, he hadn't seen you in the meeting. Well, I've been preaching. You've been preaching. And then he just left it like that. And come to find out, he was one of Dr. Sons at that time, or said he was. Then he came to California, and, of course, you know, I would assume you'd been in the biggest meeting of the year with your spiritual father if you were really connected to him. You know. Uh, so he took other meetings out in California and went and preached and blew off doctor's meeting to not be there. He wasn't there. Now, see, some people get offended at that, but that's just good, that's just good uh, ethics and good uh, mentality. And I, I knew, boy, that, that's not going to go down good. But really, the young man should have said, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do better next time. And I didn't realize or something to that effect, but he didn't even respond. See, we're talking here now about, about being under authority. I remember one time doctor was up on the platform, he's talking. Is at the end of a meeting, but Dr. Dufresne was talking and explaining something. There was two guys. I was sitting somewhere here, and there were two guys over here at the end, two other sons talking out loud where we could all hear them. 
And I, I thought to myself, man, this isn't going to go down. <laughs> At that time, doc, doctor whipped around and said, you men shut up, I'm talking up here. <laughs> I was glad I wasn't talking. <laughs> now you think about that. You're the son, you're at a meeting, doctor's speaking, you're not, you're not deep, you're not, you got eyes, you can see that this is, the meeting is still on. Guy's at the keyboard, doctor's up front, he's on a mic, he's speaking, everybody could hear it. he's speaking, talking, explaining something, I don't remember what it was, but it was important. And these guys were over-talking him. And one of the same guys that was the guy that showed up at the end of the meeting was him. One of the two. So, you know, we just pay attention. We're talking about learning, learning proper attitudes and protocol to things, too. And I like that brings me to this little sheet here called Honoring Your Father. Honoring Your Father. Uh, you know, I'll let you read most of it. Uh, it says, you know... Um, down on the first page, page 16, we have grown up in a society where we have to reinvent the wheel every generation because we shamelessly disrespect and reject our seniors thinking that they know nothing. Um, they're just a young person with time on them. I love that comment. They're just a young person who has the advantage of wisdom and experience. That's all that an old person is. And then page 17 here, one of the things I've recognized as being extremely important is being able to continue in relationships after having matured. One must learn how to continue to posture as a son long after he himself has become a father. He's a wise man who still knows how to be a son even when he's 70 years old. A man of protocol continually asks himself, have I become an honorable representative of the precious deposit that was placed inside me by my father's? You know, I think back on Doctor, how patient he's been with me. Oh, my Lord. When he first came here, you know, I didn't know all this. I'm just being honest, telling you how ignorant. You know, we were talking, Pastor Mark and I, about things we 20 years ago thought because we, you know, starting churches or 30 years or whatever. We just thought we knew everything, been to seminary, been to Bible school, etc. And I remember we had a different praise and worship system then, different praise and worship leaders then. And he'd come to a meeting, and, you know, me not being aware like I am today because I travel and stay before the Lord all day long practically from two on in my hotel room or praying or resting or studying or whatever, that I'm ready to go. So when I get to church, you know, I don't need seven songs. And, and I don't think the congregation should need seven. I mean, if you're on it as a music person, I think you ought to be able to hit it, at least the first one or two. But back then I didn't know that and he came. He was so tolerant of me. He never jumped me out about it or nothing. And after he'd been coming about five, six, seven years, he was so patient. My office was in the other part of the building then and we were, <laughs> he came in one time. He sat down in Donna, Donna's office out front and he goes, I'm ready. I go, I got you. In other words, I'm ready, get me up. He didn't go on and say all that. He just said, I'm ready. I said, yes, sir. So I sent word to somebody to have so-and-so do one song. I don't think he liked it, you know, because he wasn't in authority then. If I said did one song, you know, yeah. But, but anyway, we're just talking here. Is anybody listening? Or one time I remember Pastor Cowan came to me. It was not this church. It was another church I pastored. And, and, and we had a morning meeting that day, and there was only about 10 of us there. And I didn't take an offering for him. Can you believe that, how ignorant I was? 
This was way back in the 70s. And I got in the car with Pastor Charles Cowan. How many know who Pastor Charles Cowan is? He is such a sweetie. And he sat down and started the car, and he says, uh, and I was in the front seat with him, and he said, did I do something to bother you, Pastor? I said, well, no, Pastor Charles, it was great. Why would you ask that? He said, well, I noticed you didn't take an offering for me. I thought maybe I offended you or something. I said, oh, my gosh, you know what? I've... I'm just new at having guest speakers, and you're right. You spoke, and I didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that knocked it out of me, just that one little comment. And, and he goes, let's go have some lunch. Yeah, he said, doesn't matter if it's just one person. I spoke, and the laborers were the of his hire. I said, you're absolutely, I knew he's quoting the scripture. I knew that scripture. But see, I wasn't living in it. At that time in my life, I was young and immature, and I said, I am so sorry, sir. I apologize to you. I'll make sure that gets made up for. So I think I added a little bit in the offering at the end, you know, for the total, because he was there for two or three days. But he wasn't complaining. He was mentoring me. If you know Pastor Cowan, he's in a mentoring mode. He's so laid back. He's not aggressive. I mean, me and him are two different people. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, no, Mike Rabel, we're two different people. <laughs> yeah. I was with Mike Rabel one time down in Cuba, and, and these guys that were with us from another church, and I said, drive them to the airport, throw them on the plane, make them go home. He said, oh, Pastor Michael, simmer down. It's okay. Well, they went down to uh, Havana, and the, and they went out in the middle of the night and was down there interviewing ladies of the evening and other things to put it on a film to show at their big church back home, and and I said, B.S., you know, you just need to send them home. They're just crazy. <laughs> because you get down there in the middle of uh, Havana in the middle of the night, two or three, you'll probably get hit in the head. Yeah, yeah. And somebody's take your camera, your underwear, and everything, buddy. You just <laughs> roll you out on the gravel and say, hey, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I was defending Mike kind of, but he said, oh, chill out. It's all right. <laughs> see, but that was just a prophet and an apostle. There's, we really saw the difference on that meeting. He said, you are a prophet, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, and some people misunderstand that aggressiveness sometimes for, um, I don't know, whatever. Don't call me that. Just say I'm sweet. <laughs> All right. The anointed fathers of your life, the last paragraph on 17, are qualified to be your connection to change. What you respect is what increases in your life. I love that comment. What you respect is what increases in your life. You know, it's just like this Bible college I'm having. I'm not, I'm not pushing anybody to come. I'm not trying to make anybody to come. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow at my church to my congregation. But if I can inspire somebody that would have a willingness to learn and grow and receive from me at 63 years old and the other speakers too, then I would love them to come because I know their life can be different just because I know everybody's life can be different if they'll put the word first place. So what you respect, it's going to take a little effort to come back on Sunday night and sit for two more hours and hear the word. It's going to take a little money, not a lot. I think we figured 25 a month, $25 a month for the whole year, you know, for, well, eight months or whatever it is, $250 total, and I'm taking 50 that they give me for registration. I'm not getting any salary, neither is my speakers. 
but we're going to take and buy their books with that. And I bought the books personally out of my finances for all the staff, which was $200, $300 or whatever it was. And so we're not in it to make money, but we want to put some responsibility with it. And what I'm saying is what you respect is what will increase in your life. It isn't always about, well, if I go to Bible school, will doctor ordain me and send me out? Probably not, if that's your whole motivation, to go to Bible school and get ordained and me send you out. But it could be a step in the right direction if you come with the right motive and attitude and you don't get cross-grained with me because I don't have you preaching the next year. I mean, I've got, uh, I got a sheet of paper with 15 names on it of people that already I know can preach besides me, besides her already proven themselves so it's not that I don't want you to preach it's just my point is that shouldn't be the motivation to come but it could be a stepping stone for you if you had a genuine call and you want to just how about just you want to be a better person than you are now learn more about God I was talking to Pastor Diana the other night about how it seems like to me and I was doing some study on this I'll be done in just a few minutes but uh, everything in my life that that is important to me was done by the word of the Lord coming to me not by just a scripture now I don't mean by saying that the scriptures are less important that's not what I'm teaching but the Bible teaches Deuteronomy 28 plus New Testament other places it say if you will keep his word and listen to his voice you know like Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and they obey me something like that so I'm married the right woman I'm in the right city I'm pastor in the right church I travel because God told me to I'm having this Bible college because God told me to. Uh, You know, I could go on and on with things like that in my life that God spoke to me to do or not to do because he spoke something to me. And my point is I'm going to try my best to convey to this Bible study group, this college group, how do you hear from God correctly? Because let me say, if you hear from God correctly and you'll do it, you'll be a success. And if you don't, you won't. You might go do something, but it won't be successful. I remember I was sitting at a table. Let me give an illustration of how, you know, sometimes we can be not so spiritual. We think we're pretty spiritual. I'm talking about myself. This was just two, three, four years ago. Sean, did he leave the room? Uh, I was down at Pastor Dennis's, Dennis Hatterball's church, and we had lunch at uh, the fish place, Papa Do's down in Austin there was a bunch of preachers sitting with Dr. Dufresne it was Dr. Dufresne's meeting I was just there to hear him pastor was there I think pastor Dennis and four or five other pastors one pastor that's very efficient at starting what they call charter schools is that right Alvin charter schools and he I mean he gets millions of dollars from our government to do that he's a very smart guy he and his wife both to do that I don't know about pastoring and all that other stuff that they do but anyway, for and they're talking, they're talking, we're all talking and listening. And doctor says, you know, your place would be a great place, Pastor Michael, to have a school. And then he just went on. Well, that thought stayed with me. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe I should have a school. And, uh, and so I, when, when I got back home, I told Shauna, I want you to fly out. I'm going to send you out to Pastor Dudas in Arizona or New Mexico, wherever he's at, the guy that has these... And spend a couple of days. I'll call him first, see if you can come, and just find out a little bit about this. So I paid for and Jenny went with him, and I'm sure they had a good time as a couple, but, you know. Anyway, and they came back, 
And then I sent uh, them. I sent Sean up to Indianapolis to learn from the government up there, or the you know whatever you call it, what it takes to have a school like that. And I don't know, maybe a month or two later, I'm praying one day, and God butted in on me. I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking to him about the schools. What I mean, he butted in and said, "Hey, about that school you're trying to do. I never told you to do that. You didn't. No, you just thought I did because you had that thought got in your head." And you just got on it when you got back. You was all pumped up thinking about. And I called Sean immediately. I said, Sean, thank you for going to New Mexico and Indianapolis, but it's a done deal. I mean, God just told me I wasn't supposed to do it. So let's just drop it. See? But see what I mean now? See, you, I could have maybe persevered and even did something, maybe even had a little school by now if I'd have persevered. But when the Lord said, I didn't tell you to do that, Michael. Then I knew, well, I'm running down the wrong road now. I'm about, I've already spent money to send, send them out west and spent some money to send him to Indianapolis. And Sean's a good, a good student, you know, of what I asked him to do. And he's very intelligent too, him and Jenny both. And, and so I just appreciated that. But see, God said, don't do it. I didn't tell you to do it. Then I held back on that because I know when God says stuff like that, he wants me to listen. Because you're about to spend a lot of money and a lot of other effort put together something that's not even something that he's in (sighs) hallelujah does that make sense your response to a man of God determines heaven's response to you let's look here on page one is that the order you got covenant relationships solid foundations for godly fulfilling relationships Uh, first of all it says here in Psalm 127 unless the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it you know that scripture here's some factors that involve themselves in good covenant relate number one personal integrity no greater attribute than personal integrity what is the purpose of their life he's talking about having friends new ones or existing ones you know i have some friends now that are borderline to me whether they're going to comply with anything or just keep limping along you know, they, don't, they never come through with what they tell me they're going to do. Yet if I said, are you a spiritual son or not? Well, yeah, I'm a spiritual son. Well, your personal integrities, you know, I'm not pointing to anybody here. I'm just saying this person I'm thinking of, they're not very integrous. Do your so-called friends build on anything solid? Do they complain a lot? It is always everyone else's fault. See, these are things you look for in people that you call friends and, and think, give an attitude versus selfish, stingy, me, me, me. Get around those who motivate you to sow, to give, to stretch, not just money but time and energy. Commitment to the truth. You cannot help a person who ignores the truth or the word or is unwilling to comply with the word. I've had people argue with me in my office personally to spend time with them, try to help their marriage or help their life and... I had to say, you know, are you not going to do what the Word says? And then some of them look at me strange. I I finally said to this one guy, I said, you don't want me to entrust this woman to you. You want to marry this girl, but you don't even have a job. You live at mom's house. You don't even have a job. You're 33 years old. You've never done nothing for me your whole life, and I've known you since you were born. You slept through half my services in the last 30 years. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I say, you should be. You wanted me to entrust this girl to you whose parents are dead. And she's trusted me to help her make a decision to marry you. And you live at home with mom and dad. You have no savings, no charge card, no job. What kind of person are you? Man, I'm glad I didn't come to you for counseling. I'm glad you didn't either. I'd give you the same rap. <laughs> what is your idea of a night out? You're going you're gonna to rent a, a movie from Redbox and go to Pizza Hut and that's your big explosion for your life? talking to both of you and then I looked at her and I said do you want to marry a thing like that come on come on come on just asking you what do you think with me here you're going to be together and that kissy face huggy bear is fine but that isn't all you're going to do yeah that's right right. disregard the truth sleep through messages I go I could talk about stuff not so gritty but Long-term perspective, longevity. Never say, I'm just, I'm just here for a while until God moves me. Next time one of my members tell me that, I'm just going to tell them, get your stuff and go right now. That is the most irritating comment I can think of. I'm just here until God moves me. Well, that does, you already got me crippled in your life. I'm not important to you. You're thinking for a way out. Not a long-term relationship with me. <laughs> anyway I had a lady here for, with me for two or three years she, every time I talked to her she said the same thing I'm just here until God moves me okay you still here these are great I love these things these are mm, these are town tamer comments hey, you need to tell that person did straighten out and got married that story you were just telling. oh yeah they did and when he came back he had a job and repented to me again. I said, okay, you're all right. Then get moving with it now. Of course, since he'd been married, he hadn't been here but once. Maybe twice. Anyway, we won't go there. Avoiding dangerous people. These are some interesting people. Those who feed your offenses. If you're offended about something, don't go around people that are going to feed that. You know, Dr. Jacobs, he's just too strict. You don't need him. He doesn't, he's just too hardcore. But you could ask other people that have been helped and restored by my ministry, and I think they would say just the opposite. I think that I like the fact that he holds me accountable. I had somebody a while back in my office, very wonderful person. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but they tell me this and that happened. I said, I don't believe you. You don't believe me? No, I don't believe you. When are you going to tell me the whole story? Well, I did. I said, no, you're not. You're a liar. You did not tell me the whole story. I know God, and you didn't tell me the whole... And I can't believe you, of all people, would do me this way. As long as I've known you, and as long as I've been committed to you, and your family, and your... I can't believe you didn't tell me the whole story. When are you going to tell me the whole story? And he tried to hold on for another comment or two, and then he just broke down and started weeping and said, yeah, you're right, there's more to it. I said, well, spit it. It. I said, now I can work with you. I know the whole story. You're going to have to tell your, your wife the whole story too, you know. I said, I think she's got enough integrity. She'll stick with you. But you're going to have to tell her the whole story because she can discern stuff too. And you're, you're not going to do her like you did me. You're going to destroy your marriage if you act like that. Yeah, you're right, Pastor. And he cried and I cried with him. Laid hands on him, prayed for him. He's got it all together now. 
Hallelujah. Those who refuse to defend you in your absence. These are people you want to stay away from. <laughs> Those who are not excited with you about your mission. Those who feed your restlessness. You know, just all kinds of stuff. I guess that's all I gave you, wasn't it? That's quite a bit, though. We just stay in touch with some of these things. Those who feed your flaws. Now, you know, I wasn't being mean to this person who I love and respect greatly, even though there were some things done that I didn't condone. You know what I mean? There were some things that he did that I didn't condone at all, but at the same time, I love him as a person, and I am a covenant person to him, regardless of what was going on inside of him. I think he thought I, I thought he might have thought, you know, man, this is too serious if I say this, you know, maybe whatever. But it wasn't. I mean, it was serious, but I was committed to him. But I wasn't going to let him get away with lying to me because I, I said, what kind of man of God do you think I am? Let you lie to me and then act like I'm in agreement that you told me the truth. Something tells me on the inside, and it's the Holy Ghost, that you're not telling me everything. If you don't, you won't be, you won't, you won't be able to live with yourself because whatever you're keeping hid is going to be exposed eventually. I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm just wanting you to be honest with yourself as a person, as a human being, and honest with your man of God. Not like you're just talking to somebody you work with. You're talking to me. And, and we've, we've had a good relationship for a long time. So, you know, naturally there was a little bit of bearing of hurt on that that he would, but I, said, I just knew because of what he'd been through, he, he was confused. But I just stayed with it until it persevered. He said, okay, I'll tell you everything. I said, okay. Then I questioned him about that. Is there anything else you'd left out? Nope. No, sir. No, sir. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know what I preached to you today. <laughs> Pulse. Choom. 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 Go ahead, baby. Can you turn me on? Hello. Am I on? Yeah, you're on. Okay. You know, one of the things that inspired uh, what he's talking about today, and I just wanted to say this illustration. We were going down the road this week, and we thought about a family that had ne not really gotten offended or abruptly acted like, I'm out of here, but they just eventually, over years of time, got complacent. And basically just kind of drifted off. And it really technically wasn't an offense. It wasn't anything like about their pastor or church. They got complacent and they, they lost that attitude of honor in their life about people that had helped them in their pastor, what got them where they were. You know, we always need to be honorable about how we got to God first about how we and then the people he brought into our lives to help us get somewhere and just remembering why we got delivered and why we're prosperous now and why we're healed now but these people just kind of got complacent and basically backslid and just kind of drifted off and drifted out of the church and just became people that were really uh, I guess if you talk to them they go oh yeah I'm a Christian but really, 
they weren't attending church and they went through some things and we said you know if they would have stayed connected they could have weathered that storm yeah but it basically pretty much kind of took them out or just to a lower level of living mm-hmm. uh, and we realized that being in church doesn't stop the storm the trial the oppression whatever it is in life whatever you have in life it's coming but being a part of a church and being connected to a spiritual family and a spiritual father or a pastor if you're yeah. a, a sheep helps you have the answers the strength the power to go through those situations and come out victorious as opposed to going the other direction it's the same storm it's just where you're located when it comes mm-hmm. and that's what people don't understand and they i don't know what they're thinking but they're not thinking ahead but they're not you know and it isn't like being in church causes you not to ever have problems no you have the same problems you just have the answers you have the church body you have the strength mm-hmm of fellow believers you have people mm-hmm. praying you have a spiritual father but then on top of that what, then we got in this discussion about the fivefold ministry gifts yeah that wasn't just a good idea god knew he ha- you had to be exposed to the fivefold ministry to get everything you needed and the only way you're going to do that is in the church yeah in the church and there's deliverances that'll come there's other things that'll come you know, just like we, you can be here and pastor has an element of your answer, but because he's connected, Dr. Dufresne comes through and something, you've been standing in faith, you've been good, you've had victory, you've had an element of success, and all of a sudden this other anointed gift calling fivefold ministry comes through because you're in the church, because your pastor's connected upright, and a deliverance comes just like a change. And, but it's all because you're in the right place at the right time and that's being in the church yeah and it's like people you see them out there and you realize their answer was here when that that storm hit them but now they're just at the at the what do you call it at the mercy mercy of the winds and the sea and you know and so that's why some of these things and and you know pastor elaborated on the intense times he's had and of course you all know there's all the times he's hugged you and loved on you and and told you how great you are (laughs) but you know this is what we noticed having a real spiritual father even charles cowan who was a pastor to us for a time before we knew dr Dufresne, he had an element of he spoke into our lives and sometimes it was corrective maybe Mm -hmm. not in you know at the same level as doctor but there's been plenty of opportunity but he spoke with authority yes to us both and it was kind of like you make the choice you're going to miss god if you do this you're going to you're going to get good on course if you do this mm-hmm. but i just know that there's been times in our life all the years we've known doctor there's a couple times he's talked really strong and uh i'm not like him i don't like direct talk i don't like somebody <laughs> talking 
<laughs> bluntly to me, like he loves. <laughs> well, I don't want like, confrontation, yeah, but if somebody but, needs to talk to me like that. But you like straight talk. With him. Like we, I'll tell this little side shoot. He likes communicators, and if people don't communicate with him, it frustrates him. And one day he had Judah all to himself. <laughs> And the minute Judah gets in the car, if he's alone with you, there's not a pause. There's not a moment of silence. Why? But why? But then, what's that over there? Why are we going there? And when are we coming back? And, and it never stops. And then you think you're finally going to get to the end of his questions and have a lull just to take a breath, to catch your breath. But he doesn't. And it's like you think you want to go, okay, let's just be quiet for a few minutes. Let our mind rest. But he won't let your mind rest. And it's like he keeps. Well, this one day he drove off with him. I laughed because I thought, now he's getting a real communicator. Let's see what he does with that. You know, I figured he'd come back and act like wore out, like me. Like, and he loved it. <laughs> he kept the conversation going. <laughs> but when I was, what I was going to say, I'll all end this, but there's been times when doctor has said something really strong to me that I went home and pouted up about and all my feelings and all my little immature childlike emotions stirred up and said, I don't need this. I don't have to put up with this. I never want to see his face again. All those feelings that go up uh, on inside of you, but realize that because I stayed hooked on, even though my flesh and my emotions and my feelings still thought that way, and the next time I see him, you know, it's and he, then the next time I'd see him, he'd say something like, well, that's really good, Pastor Dan. Like, I'd really told him something important, you know. <laughs> but, He's done that to you a lot. Yeah, he does. But the point is, that's what a real parent does. A parent encourages you and corrects you. They give you all that you need. And so you make it through those rough times because the next time there's an exhortation coming. And that's what a real parent does. And see, that's when you got to grow up and be mature enough to listen to what they said and grit your teeth and say, okay. I'm going to stay with this person. I'm not going to be touchy-feely. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to listen and do my best to comply because I know it's what's best for me. And like I say, with our life, mm -hmm. we've made corrections, and he's not only been an exhorter and encourager in our life, but he, we've made corrections that have changed the course of our life and helped us get where we need to go. And that's what we just yeah. felt for people, though, that just drift off without that revelation yeah. of honoring somebody in your life, honoring the church, honoring, and keeping that. I mean, that's on your part to keep that respect for your the rest of your life, to keep that. Mm -hmm. Because we all can get bored with stuff. We all could decide we're going to go work out at the gym, and we stay there for about two years, and we have a lifelong membership and never show up there again because we didn't put it in a right you know, priority in our life to keep that as a priority Amen. we're never thrilled to see people shipwreck thinking of the couple well she didn't say but i'm saying i won't tell you much but you know busted for dui busted for shoplifting divorced got several children stuff on facebook and whatever that stuff is that we were told they don't live in our city anymore just tragic it's tragic when they were under me, under this covering, they were normal. They were tithers. They had a good marriage. They, they were involved. And, you know, they just made bad decisions. And, you know, they're, on, they're getting busted for stuff. I mean, you know, don't have driver's license now because I've been arrested so many times for DUI. And, 
shoplifting and had money, had a lot of it at one time. I don't know what they have now, but just shipwrecked people. I, I don't take any joy in that whatsoever. So if I seem intense talking about how I dealt with something, well, you can get, uh, you could understand why I feel that way because I don't like to see people's life get tore apart, especially their children, because they made dumb decisions, you know, the couple. So anyway, praise the Lord. Thanks for coming to hear me today. <laughs> I hope you got something. I don't Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for our time together in the Word. Thank you for your praise, your precious spirit in our life that's teaching us and training us, quickening us, and speaking to us, not only today, but throughout the remainder of this year. You're speaking. We're listening. And we're going to catch it. We're going to get it. We're going to receive it. We're going to respond correctly to it. Thank you for spiritual fathers in our life who help us, who speak into us, who believe in us, who encourage us. And inspire us and correct us too we thank you father for giving us genuine spiritual fathers in our life who genuinely love us and have our best interest in their heart we bless our food we bless our lunch we thank you father for the rest of this day and for tomorrow for all these preachers to preach like a person from another world and the power of god to rest on their churches in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen praise the lord Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.